0: Okay, Allison, what are we getting into today? Well, here we go. So I love astrology. So in light of our lovely Venus being retrograde, I feel like there's a lot of relationship stuff in the air and we need to talk about relationships, soulmates, what we learn from each other and all of that kind of stuff.
1: Oh my gosh, you just got it going on today. So stay with us. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Okay. Like, I want you guys to know that I literally, I'm not, when I tell you, she's like, do you want to know what we're talking about today? I'm like, no, just hit me with it. (laughs) We literally don't talk about it. So... This is cold. This is as cold as it gets. So, ice cold, ice cold. So, like, okay. And I think we should throw in there this whole like twin flame craziness too, because I think there's so much misunderstanding of twin flames.
0: Well, you can explain what that is because I'll be honest, I don't even really know what that is. Perfect.
1: Okay. So like in the spiritual community, people are always like, oh my God, my twin flame, my twin flame. He's my twin flame. She's my twin flame. And people a lot of times believe that a twin flame is a soulmate. And the way I see twin flame By the way, it's always red and blue, which I find interesting. Like even as I'm sitting here talking about it, all I can see are the colors red and blue. A twin flame is usually someone that will forever change the direction of your life, but in a very challenging way. So it could be like a narcissistic relationship, a codependent relationship, an externalizer, internalizer relationship, where you have that huge like dynamic push-pull that really brings something out of you. And I believe as I'm sitting here talking about it, it's kind of coming up like to talk about the idea that you don't have to have just one twin flame but you will always know the twin flame like my the twin flame was an abusive relationship from my late 20s that really just changed the trajectory of my entire life another twin flame is a friend that I have had that changed the trajectory of my entire life. So you can see these very poignant moments where an individual was a catalyst in changing the direction of your life forever um, that came in to kind of like really switch things up from the past you to the future you. And so a lot of times people confuse that with the idea of soulmate. Like I look at Jim as being my soulmate Meaning that my soul has been allowed to, they just showed me the, the the visualization of a lotus flower. So to really come into my own, to come into my true self, to have the safety space to be that which my soul should be on this planet at this time. So that is how I see a soulmate. And I don't believe that you have to have one of those either.
0: Meaning you can have multiple? Or what do you mean? So if you really want to go deep into
1: it, which of
0: course I know you do.
1: Um, <laughs> um, why I'm here. And that's why we're here. The idea of, you know, a soulmate, we have to then first look at this idea that we are all one. And if we are all one, your soul, therefore the mate of your soul, which means the extension of that which is you, can come in the form of many different three-dimensional bodies, right? For some people, a soulmate could be a pet, truly, because that might be what that person's soul needs to fee- feel safe and comfortable. Um, another soulmate com- might come in the form of a teacher, like an actual teacher at school that has like arrived to really kind of help your soul in a way of growth in a positive way so i look at a soulmate as being something that is like a nice warm blanket a safe space um one that allows you to be your true self or find your true self maybe it's been hidden because of programming or unsafe relationships but i think primarily you would have one in a lifetime if you uh, let me look at it so soulmates i would say that you would normally have one in a lifetime but if you for whatever reason needed more than one i believe that you would be sent that person as needed so i don't feel like there's one soulmate that you'll have in this life and people always ask like well what if you don't find them this one lifetime is so inconsequential you know, in the scheme of things, you'll just come back with that soulmate and quote, find them next time.
0: Do you see people like not finding them though? I feel like there's so much orchestration happening on the back end that like, is that even really like possible for you to not find them?
1: Yeah. I mean, just like, for example, we'll go back to what we talk about all the time. Like we have free will. So we are allowed to drink a fifth of vodka every night if we want. And the powers that be, the spiritual motivators, if you will, can keep giving us the hangover and we can keep drinking. So we have free will. So they can work to make sure that we connect with them. But if we are not at the frequency of them, if we're not in a space of wanting to sit in the space of health and uh, awakening and growth and love and beauty, then they can do all they want with the hangover and the shifts and the pushing and the pulling. It won't matter because they won't see us and we won't see them, i.e. soulmate, because of the fact that our frequencies are so profoundly off that we'll just have to come back again and do it next time, meaning in
0: another life. Would that, I mean, is that the answer to that? Or is it like, hey, let's find another match, sort of a thing that's a good that question. still meets that frequency? Like, that's, I always wonder that. Okay. Right. That's a good question. So, can like, does we- it have to be that soul? Does it have to be that person? Or can it be somebody with the same, you know, energy that's going to help you and you're going to help them in the same way? Okay.
1: So, when I'm looking at it right this second, And I want people to understand like what I'm talking about right now. They just wanted me to say, it's like, this shit's not coming from a book. Like this is coming in as we're having this conversation. So if it seems like back and forth, it's because of the fact that they're breaking it down for me as I'm talking about it. So for example, I'm going to give an example of my life. So in my life, I needed someone to come into my experience When I was in elementary school, that person was Miss Ricotta, fourth grade teacher, meanest teacher in the school, however, not, right? And she really saw me, she understood me, she like was profoundly strict, but really had a huge impact on my entire life. Like if someone talks about a teacher, she's the one I think about, right? And when I'm looking at her in this moment and how she acted as a soulmate, what they're showing me is she literally came in like an angel, like angel energy to come in and let me know that I am worthy of love. So in that moment, and even in the moment and experience of my marriage, a soulmate could be boiled down to someone that comes into your life that some way, somehow, in whatever capacity, shows you that you are deserving of love and that maybe all of the noise around you is incorrect. So back to your example, when you said, is there a way that a soulmate, we won't meet our soulmate? in this vision that I'm seeing is that you could meet your soulmate and they could try to show you that you are deserving and worthy of love and mirror you, but you still might not decide or allow yourself to experience that. You might, you might push it away.
0: In that case, do you grow? And then when your grow your growth has allowed you to get to the point where you would allow it in are they bringing someone else to you like so, is that orchestration happening to kind of give it another shot so i'm making in my mind so you know what i'm cuz what i do is i play with things
1: and then i see if it works or not right so in the experience in my mind i'm actually imagining like a drug addict on the street so i'm going full boat the most profound example of
0: transformation
1: right and like that would be the most difficult place to like make sure you meet your soulmate. So in this visual experience of a drug addict and finding their soulmate, in that experience, that person's soulmate could be someone as simplistic as like a paramedic who is kind and loving and shows grace and is there for that person maybe on the streets or trying to get them into rehab, and they might never see them again. So I think that when we think of soulmate, we, we are really putting a lot of emphasis on the word mate, but we should put the emphasis on the word mate as it's used like maybe in Australia of friend. It is a right. soul's friend. And that soul friend, like Jim, my husband, might turn into a romantic relationship, but it doesn't necessarily have to, like in the example of my teacher who changed my life and, and shifted me from someone that was experiencing the world in a very traumatic way to kind of seeing humanity in a very like loving, kind, caring way that just shifted that. And so I think soul friends can come in and, um, change our life. And I, you know, I don't don't know. So when I'm looking at like, well, how many, like, so I'm asking the question in my mind, like, so how many can you have? Right. Like, and I think what it is not about the number it's about the energy spent to decide, like when we've talked about in the past, like when you're not changing your life for the better, first it'll show up as anxiety, then it'll show up as, Maybe uh, bronchitis, then it maybe will show up as uh, fibromyalgia, and then maybe cancer, and then your body will just kill you because your higher self knows that you're not going to do what it takes to complete why you came here to earth. Okay. So, in that capacity of the body, quote, killing itself because it knows that the spirit is not going to accomplish what it me- is meant to accomplish in this lifetime. Um, which I had some crazy downloads yesterday during an appointment. And I know you're mad it wasn't you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I want to know what they are. We'll We're getting that it. next.
1: They're kind of showing in the same, like like they do sort of quote unquote give up on us when they recognize that we are not going to use a soulmate experience to transform our life. And so again, this lifetime is inconsequential in the scheme of things. So they're not going to like, "Quote unquote waste resources when it's very clear we have no intention of changing our life. That no matter how much an angel, a soul friend shows up to change and transform our life, we are so stuck in our three dimensional ego and humanity and programming that it's it doesn't shift us. And so they're just yeah. like it's it's the same thing as like death.
0: That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So." It sounds like you could have, I mean, I'm even like, I'm thinking when you're talking and I'm thinking like, okay, soulmate, right? Like I'm sure friend. you know, friends are part of that label. And I'm sure there's so many people in your life that you could call that, right? That like shift you or help you bring out something in yourself. So I don't know, I would imagine based on what you're talking about, that we probably have so many in our life. And it's what's so cool about it is, When you think of soul friends, because we're,
1: we make up the, you know, marriage, marriage is made up, right? So when we think of soul friends, it could be male or female, it could be romantic or not platonic. It could be child adult, um, as it was for my um, teacher experience. So it's more a matter of like, when you think of it and then you like look back on your life or around your life, they, in my opinion, they pop up pretty obviously,
0: yeah. Yeah. I just had that experience. Actually, a really good friend of mine from high school who's a, ma- a male friend of mine, never a romantic partner, but just someone who's always a friend, popped up recently and was like sending me old photos and things like that. And it's like, yeah, they just, you just know, you, you just know. know who they are. Yeah. How special they are.
1: Yeah. And it's so, the same thing with like the twin flame. Like, you know, those SOBs that just like pushed you. Yeah. So hard. And just like flipped your life upside down. And so many people talk about that to the twin flame. It's interesting when people talk about the twin flame, it's usually a very dramatic relationship. Like you feel like you can't let go of it. There's just such a draw there. And usually that's when people call me and say, I have this person can't get them out of my life. We've broken up a hundred times and I'm like, ding, 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 twin flame. And I just don't know what it is about them, but I just can't let go of it. And like instantly, I know that this is a twin flame, that it's just, it's magnetic, but there's still something to be learned by letting the person go or by, by getting out of the pattern of codependency. Because usually when someone can't let someone go, what's actually happening is that you are in the throes of codependency. You're in the throes of empathic, narcissistic relationship. You are just so triggered by this person. And usually that trigger has no healing component. It just has to be walked away from which doesn't feel like closure. And so there's a lot of, it's a very tumultuous relationship that feels so passionate and so on fire. But usually those are situations where you have to learn to love yourself more than the relationship. And you have to allow yourself to heal more than the triggers and magnetic attraction to that drama. Which feels yeah, it's
0: like an addiction. It's like an addiction. That's how I imagine it. Yeah, yeah. When people reach out to you, I feel like probably one of the top, like, I would imagine, two things they want to talk to you about is our relationships, Mm -hmm. right? Like, it's got to be one of the most common calls that you get. So like when someone says like, I, I want to, I want to find like, how do I find love or what do I do? Or how do I fix this? Like, what is your first kind of thing that you're always drawn to when you're working with someone in that capacity? Like how, I mean, I know that what you do is very tailored because of the way that you work and you're tapping in specifically to what that person needs. But like, what would you say are really common things that you're, that you're brought to look at for people?
1: Yeah. Well, I think the biggest issue in people meeting, you know, the partner that they want to spend their life and time with is that, you know, to remember that we are energy, right? And so like attracts like, um, water seeks its own level, all mere just little stupid quips, but that are so important and true just to keep in your back pocket. And so my first question is usually to them, are you the person that if you met, you would want to be with. Are you a complete and whole person that if you met you on the street, you'd be like, that's the one. Yeah. And so that is kind of like the first step in really allowing a person to recognize that they are a whole person that is healthy and is not looking for someone to complete them, Mm Jerry Maguire and so i really try to let a person find out where they're at because whomever they are going to spend their life with and i don't care if their life means 50 years 5 minutes you know before they die or whatever for them to be able to meet that person that they imagine to be there as we were talking soulmates or their life partner or whatever if a drug addict living on the streets is in the future, going to meet the CEO of Coca-Cola, okay? If that drug addict were to walk into a black tie gala where the CEO is having a party, they would be escorted out. They are not on the same frequency. They have absolutely nothing in common. They're so profoundly different that that CEO cannot see the drug addict who's living on the street. They can't see them. Right. They're just they're they're just in an existence that walked into the gala. And that is a an extreme example. But in a less extreme example, you know, if you have someone that is, you know, just at a very different stage in their life, you know, they're not paying their bills, their jobs all over the place, they're three months behind on their car payment. If they meet someone that has got their shit together, they take care of their kids, their houses in order, so on and so forth. They can't see each other either because they're not in alignment. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say, be the person that you want to be in a relationship with, because that is going to allow the person that you want to be in a relationship to see you because you're doing the same things. You're on the same wavelength. Mikasa Esukasa, We can see each other. We are we are playing the same game. We're on the same footing, right? And so I am always talking to the person because, you know, it's it's not like we're just like gonna fix someone that we haven't met yet. We can only fix ourselves. And so I always tell the person, get your shit together. If you wanna meet and marry or date or have a life partner that is spiritual, be spiritual, in shape, then be in shape. Pays their bills, takes care of themselves is a good parent- Be all of those things, because then you're going to go to those places. You know, you're going to be at the at the gym. You're going to be walking and shopping at Whole Foods. You're going to um, live in the community that you are in alignment with. You know, and it doesn't mean you have to have the same money. It doesn't. You can meet someone that in their socioeconomic experience is you know, got their shit together and you are in your socioeconomic experience and you have your shit together, even those, though those financials are very different. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm actually kind of seeing this in, um, in, a, in an example, even when it comes down to taking care of yourself, like someone that really, really works to take care of themselves In a relationship with someone that doesn't, these are ways that people actually then grow apart. So, if you're married to someone and they start gambling, their frequency is now changing to that of a gambler, and you're over there being a responsible person, not spending money like a crazy person. And now we are growing apart. If someone all of a sudden decides to become Southern Evangelical Baptist and you're over here with doing a spiritual awakening moment, that person is going to be distasteful to you. And the distastefulness is the imbalance of frequency. It would be very difficult to stay in a relationship. And that's like, you know, all of these examples of coming together and then growing apart Being mindful of the fact that what you're creating is a difference in frequency, wherein you can't see each other anymore.
0: Yeah. You see what I'm saying? That's such a good example. Yeah. That's a really good way to understand it.
1: Yeah. So, coming, so imagine getting divorced and what it would take to get divorced. The opposite and equal is true for coming together. You see, like when, when, when someone is like me and they're like, okay, so what are you looking for in a guy? Okay. My thing would be spiritual, kind to people like waiters and waitresses, doesn't have road road rage, treats his mother and his sisters kindly, speaks nice to children, you know, gives back. Like I would put in my quote order for someone that's very consistent with my morals
0: and values and lifestyle. I feel like that would be a great exercise for anyone who's in that position to do is like write down your list and then, yeah, like everyone can make a list of what they want, right. But then turn the mirror on yourself and ask yourself, how, how do I show up in all of these spaces? and then yeah, and
1: do the do the work. Yeah, and people k- get pissed on, you know, social media they're like men ask women like, "Well, what do you bring to the table?" And I always look at what I bring to the table is my energy. It's not necessarily my bank account. I bring me to the table. I bring my ideas and my energy and my my existence. So, my bank account is actually the least of someone's worries unless of course they're looking for someone to complete them. A quote unquote Mm. gold digger of either sex is looking for someone to complete their financial portfolio that will never work because they do not show up as a whole person into a relationship. It will always then be an imbalanced relationship.
0: Yeah. You have to show up whole is what you're saying.
1: You have to show up whole. So if I were to like be coaching someone, I would say, all right, write a list, get a notebook, get a journal. In the first part of the journal, you're going to write down who you are, good, bad, or ugly. So you can really know who you are. You need to know who you are before you can go find someone. Okay. Then the next thing I would say is scroll back into the middle of the journal and start a working list of your ideal partner. Because if you can't even like recognize what those characteristics are on paper, you're going to be swept away by every good looking guy with some charm or girl. Then in the back, I would write a new working list, an additional working list of what your ideal partnership looks like. Where do you go? What do you do? How do you interact? All of, like, where do you travel to, etc. And I'm going to tell you because I, they keep pointing me to talk about this. Jim, for example, is not necessarily like me when it comes to spirituality. Like we don't talk about these things. It's not a part of our daily life. But he's also not this. He's also not not spiritual. You know what I mean? Like he's in line with that, which I am, even though it's not like maybe like a full on practice for him.
0: And he also doesn't, you don't have to actually be exactly the same.
1: Yeah. Like he doesn't have to run around with crystals practicing yoga, but it's not out of line with me. You know what I mean? Like we Mm -hmm. have the same Mm -hmm. goals. We have the same path that we're trying to take and so it's important to understand that you don't have to be similar but you have to be respectful and it it has to not be, you know, a thorn in your side like if i were over here doing one thing and jim's over there like i said gambling or drinking heavily all the time and i'm over here sober that could be very difficult so you know it doesn't mean that you both have to be sober or you both have to be, you know, whatever but you you want to be it's kind of like if you looked at a circle and a circle is you and there's like ebbs and flows inside of the circle of, of degrees from one to 10 of all things, you kind of want to be in degrees of one to 10 in all things. You don't really want someone to be like a 30. Like if you're a one to 10 in alcohol, you don't want someone to be a 30 in alcohol. If you're one to 10 in spending, you don't want someone to be a 40 in spending. You kind of want to stay within the realms of what you are. Actually, that's kind of an interesting exercise. If you were to draw yourself and like come up with all of these points of personality and then rate yourself and then draw another circle for your partner, rating their personality characteristics from one to 10 and, you know, see if anyone does jump out. Like if you're like a person that works out four hours a day, five days a week, you'd be like, workout would be like a 50, You know what I mean? If ten is in the in the in the realm of normal, does that make sense the way I'm describing it? Mm -hmm. Like just kind of like creating, I don't know, like a diagram of like who a person is. I, I I just saw that as being kind of interesting. Another thing that I saw on social media, I I think I maybe mentioned it here before, which was really cool, is if you're dating someone or new to dating someone, or you're starting to feel your relationship maybe is getting a little rocky, get like a paper calendar. And three markers, red, yellow, green. And if you have a bad day, mark that on your calendar as a red, a neutral day as a yellow, and a great day, good day as a green. Because I think that we get lost in thinking that our relationship is shit or our relationship is fine or great. And then when we have that actual physical thing to look at, it kind of shows us really truly where we're at at 30-day increments to wake us up to, you know, even if it's just to have a conversation with our partner, like, and you could like write notes, like this is for you and be like, you know, he yelled at me today. He was critical today. She didn't take care of the kids today, you know, whatever it is, so that you have a springboard to have a conversation with your partner or decide like, yeah, I don't want to continue this relationship. We've been dating for three months lots of red days. I don't really know if this is working for me. So it kind of gives you a really great visual to summarize uh, where you're at in a relationship.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think like a lot of people are visual learners too. So it's such an easy, like, okay, this is where I'm at, like undeniably. (laughs) Lots of red, lots of red. Lots of red, watch out. Well, and I think another thing about what you're saying that is really catching me is like, I think like the self-awareness around, yourself and the other person I think sometimes we get so caught in the triggers right because like the triggers are what we focus on or like when they do this it makes me crazy or I'm feeling this way and like we're focusing so much on the triggers that you like don't like you can't see the forest through the trees so you don't even really know where you stand sometimes like like, what do I, what, how am I really showing up and how are they really showing up? And like, let's take three steps back and get out of the little, the little like thorn areas and look at the whole big picture and see like, really like what, do, what needs to happen here? Like, where am I? I feel like that is something that probably everybody does because we get so stuck in those trigger moments that you just can't see anything else.
1: Yeah, the one thing too, is you were just talking about that, that I'm seeing is like if someone's having an argument or someone does something, my question to them is, is but how, what, what was your part in that? What was your part? How did you show up? What did you do? Were you kind? Were you bitchy? Did you come in hot from an appointment or whatever? I recently was listening to someone and they were talking about, they're like a, like a psychiatrist, psychologist, brain study person, whatever. And they were talking about the fact that when we look back at our childhood, when we look back at experiences and you know, we pull up those negative things that happened in our childhood, right? It's, I didn't get what I wanted for Christmas. My brother was always mean to me. My mom took my sister's side all the time, whatever it is. When we're going through social media I can literally have thousands of positive comments and my brain will hone in on that one dicky comment. And what this person was talking about that I was listening to, I wish I knew their name, was that this is actually a method of survival. It is a method of survival to remember the negative because it keeps us safe for the present and future. So we recognize unsafe people, unsafe experiences or foods. It's like when you're nauseous and you think of the thing that actually did make you sick and you're like, oh my God, I had pork sausage, barfarama, right? And all of these negatives are here inherently to keep us safe in our present and future. But because of the fact that we don't need to know, don't eat the red berries, stay away from you know, the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like, we're not there anymore. We still have that component in our brain to hold on to the negative, to hold on to the unsafe experience. But what they were talking about is that we can actually reprogram our brain when something negative happens to say to our brain, It's okay that that happened. I am still safe. I don't need to hold on to this. I appreciate my brain pointing out to me that this was an unsafe, unfun, unhealthy, untasty, probably just got food poisoning experience, which I have to talk about that in a minute. But I'm allowed to just gloss over it, take notice of it, make mention of it in my mind's eye, and move on and not carry it with me forever and ever and ever. And I did this recently with some comments on social media that were snarky. And I really talked to myself and I'm like, it's okay, this person isn't a threat to you. They're just making a comment and you'll never meet them and it's all right. And there's so many beautiful comments that this comment is not unsafe. And when I just said that in this moment, this comment is not unsafe, the energy completely shifts. So they're saying is you can actually reprogram your mind to not hold on to the negative in the same way that we needed to reptilian wise, right? Back in the day when it was fight or flight for literally survival, that we can actually in this new age reprogram our brain from not holding on to the negative. Sidebar. So in Florida, my husband started getting these stomach pains and he said to me, I don't know why I keep getting and feeling sick. And in my mind's eye, I immediately saw eggnog instantly. And I go, I think you're allergic to eggs. And he's like, there's not a chance in hell. Now, this is a man who indulges. He is not afraid to put away like your super deluxe. Oh my God, it's Sunday morning omelette. Okay. And so that's impossible. He's been eating eggs for at the time, what, 46 years? Without a problem. And I don't know if it was a combination. What I'm seeing in my mind's eye and what I've expressed to him is that there was something traumatic that happened that may have happened at the same time that he was ingesting eggs and his brain made it deadly. So in that moment, his brain equated. I feel horrible. I am overwhelmed. This is an awful situation with the food or drink he was ingesting at that time that contained eggs. I have no idea. This is how I see it. And he created at 46 years old an egg allergy that has just, every time he gets stressed out, it flares up, like super weird stuff. And so what I'm seeing is that our brains can correlate things that are happening around us with our energetic mind and emotion to be one in the same at the same exact time like i said like if you were in a car accident and uh you were driving a mustang and you were wearing a red dress you might create in your mind an an aversion to mustangs and red dresses so it's kind of like that same correlation that I'm seeing in this moment that we kind of glom onto things. um, A memory is made up of five points in the brain. So it could be sight, smell, taste, feel, see, right? And that creates memory. Like when we smell lavender, we might think of our grandmothers, right? Same concept. And so it's like our brain does that same thing with traumatic situations. It creates a five-point memory map that creates an experience that we hold on to to keep us safe in the future. This is a very fascinating conversation, by the way.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Well, it makes sense because when you're having an experience, you're using all your senses. So your brain's not delineating like which part of it was scary or threatening, right? Like they don't know that it was the smell or that it was the color or it was the visual or that it was the feeling or that it was the person, right? Like, it could pull a bunch of different pieces. It makes sense.
1: Yeah, it totally makes sense. Our brain just go, make, makes a map of it and it's like, okay, snapshot, this is unsafe. You know, right. so I think that it's really important to recognize, like, I just love the information sharing age that we're in right now because, you know, this idea that I can in a moment transform my future life from holding on to negative things by just talking myself through it and saying you're safe everything's okay it was just a comment or that person was just in a bad mood or whatever it is like don't you need to carry that with you all day or all week or all month you just don't I think that's so cool
0: I think the thing too is For people that are going to, you know, try this, I think something that's really important about what you're talking about is to make sure that you're in a regulated state Mm. when you're doing that, right? So, like, if you're having a fucking panic attack and you're like, everything's fine, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine, right? Like, that's not going to work. But if you are it's like with, you have to be intentional about this, right? Like, so I do, I do a lot of like meditative types of like subconscious reprogramming stuff. So like sitting down, laying down, getting yourself into like a place where you're not in fight or flight mode, you can access your subconscious, right? Like, so maybe listening to something that like helps you reprogram or saying things to yourself after you've been like sitting and calm for a little while because, you know, just sitting there, like in a in a stressful situation is I think probably gonna do the opposite. Yeah, I don't
1: know and if that's how you see it. Yeah. And I think it's a good to point out too when you just said that about the like you're having a panic attack or whatever. It's also important to point out that you can't gaslight yourself and say, I'm fine if you're not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Point. Like it's so okay to be not fine. What I'm talking about is like, you know, comments or You know, very benign situations that maybe past triggers, or may just be irritations, or you know, maybe it's just something that you don't want to carry with you. That you find like I don't need this for safety, but if it's something that you do need for safety, I just had a um, an appointment recently where someone they wanted to not be so untrusting of men. Mm. as a whole, right? And I found that so interesting, because that is such a safety mechanism. I've become so aware of how fearful I actually am in situations. And it's always fear of men. And Mm. I'm not, I'm not painting, you know, I mean, I love my husband, my dad's, my brothers, you know, my sons, I'm not painting a wide brush. But like, When I'm walking through a parking garage, I'm not worried a woman's going to come up and get me. Right. You know what I mean? And so there is a component of safety that goes into, as a woman, being afraid of men and the attack of a man during most situations.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like an unspoken thing, right? It's like something you're just like, you don't even think about. You don't even think it's just about like, it. that is how you feel. That is just the way that it
1: is. If you, if it is dark, if you are alone, if you go someplace, you know, that whatever that you haven't been before, if you're meeting someone, you know, you're like a realtor, like there are precautions that we put in place. You know, I'm walking in, Hey, Hey Jim, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to go into this place. So, you know, my address you know who i'm meeting etc right you know like there there is a component of being afraid of men as a woman that is necessary and so it was really interesting to to look at the capacity of which that can be released or removed it's almost necessary to maintain a fear of men
0: Is that, um, you were talking earlier about a download that you'd gotten the previous day. Is that what you're talking about? No, I
1: wasn't. The person was, I was working on their heart and the openness to the future. And so I was doing the emotional release as I do, and which is taking my hand, swiping the main Meridian line, And of course it's coming up on me right now. It's like, and so it was like kind of removing a heart wall and it just wouldn't go. So I can feel, I usually do it with my eyes shut, you know, and I could feel when the emotion has finally left me so that I can move on to the next one and it would not leave me. Like it was just like, it was camping out and that never happens. And what was happening, which I've never really had before, so I channel from their higher self all the time. So like, let's say I'm removing abandonment, then I will scan the body, come up with more emotions that are being released at the exact same time for, for, (laughs) for efficiency. Honestly, Um, I allow it just to kind of transfer through me. Um, Maybe a body part or two that it's affecting, you know, where I'm finding it, jaw, ear, heart, right knee, whatever. So I will just sit there and talk about all this stuff, right? But that's kind of channeling with their higher self. I'm using their higher self, my higher self to work together to like quickly go through and release as many trapped emotions as possible. That's the normal way I do stuff. But this was totally different. This was literally counsel. And we've talked about council before here, I think. So imagine like a spirit council that are all different colors. They're like floating energies that send us in to this experience to accomplish certain things on this planet, who kind of like we have a contract and we like negotiate with them what we're going to experience on this planet. So imagine like the lessons you're supposed to learn, your life's purpose on this planet. That's who you're conferring with, right? Before you get born as a human. And so as I was talking to either this council member or council, I just knew that it was a bigger gun than their higher self. And because of the fact during a past life regression, I have been in contact with council before. So I understand what their energy feels like, the expansiveness in of it, like how the colors show up. I, I just know it's them. And so these guys and gals show up During my appointment and they like literally start in on my client that they need to, as with all humans, like they literally are like, you people are wasting so much time and energy on absolute bullshit. Like you, you just, uh, you make everything so much more complicated than it is. And they're just like losing it. They're like, come on, like stop already. Like release this, release your fears. You came here to accomplish so much and you're just spin your tires relentlessly all the time, holding on to past shit, holding on to nonsense and anger and the ideas of who you think you are and what you're supposed to do and what is and isn't important. And they were just like going off just like I am right now, like with just complete exasperation of humanity. And how we are so distracted by such nonsense and we get so caught up in the three-dimensional. And they're so funny because they're like, we get it, we understand it, but it doesn't make it any less frustrating to watch you guys waste so much time. Like when I'm looking at like what they're talking, like if they're looking at, for example, like relationships, they're like, get in, get out, get in, get out. Like it's okay, get in, get out, learn what you need to learn, get in, get out. Like business, get in, get out. Like it's very there's not as many webs between things from their perspective from a spiritual perspective like it's it, it like we make things but that's the emotion of being human so much attachment there's yeah. so much attachment to things it's <clears throat> just like so sticky and just the distraction of you know the shiny things and it's it's pretty cool when they show up you know they're kind of ish who we're talking to and it's more like kind of my higher self talking to the universe when I'm channeling here on the podcast, they're just, they're, they're kind of more like, which that's actually not a bad plan to maybe pull them in to just talk about humanity one time and like their perspective on lessons and life purpose and stuff like that, just because their energy is so different yeah, that it might give us a different perspective because they are funny and they're so no nonsense they're, they just see things. They're just very impatient with us, but with same, but at the same time, having loving patience. Like it, they're pretty funny. When I'm talking, usually here on the podcast, I'm, I'm more like tapping into like a collective. It's, it's much less personal and more like a universal energy versus mm-hmm. a specific, like, counsel would be that which is kind of like in charge of humans. It's hard to describe. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but there's like, when I'm tapping in for the podcast, it's just, it's a very broad collective versus a specific council energy. I don't know if
0: Well, I feel like we should talk about that next week. I feel like that's a super yeah. interesting topic. Let's dig in next time. Yeah. I think that'll be super fun, but
1: this is, this has been fun. Like, I think that I like, if, if you can't get relationship shit after this, like <laughs> make an appointment because this, like, yeah. this is a lot of my tips and tricks and what I would say to you uh, if you called in for an appointment, like, honestly, like we would dive in deeper just on you specifically of what we need to work on and how to get there. That's the thing too. You know, like when someone's calling me or getting an, you know, on an appointment, they're so in it, like you said, it is the tree for the forest. So, you know, these are great steps to take, but if you need something a little bit more honed in on what you're like, usually people are in their own way, then, you know, clearly that's an appointment, but I'm super excited to talk to council next week. Like, let's see where that goes.
0: Yeah, (laughs) me
1: too. What the heck? So we'll see you guys all here next week. If you have any ideas that you want to talk about, email me at meredithwillets at gmail.com. But otherwise, let's do this again next week, Allison. Thanks so much.
0: Yeah, thank you. Can't wait.
1: See you guys next week.
0: Bye. Thanks for listening. If you would
1: like to connect on a more personal level, head over to meredithwillets.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with the Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.